What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is heard live every day from noon to three on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content like invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with all the links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And again, thank you so much for your support. All righty. So Israel would be willing to pause its war on Hamas in Gaza during the upcoming Muslim holy month of Ramadan if a deal is reached to release some of the hostages held by the militants. This according to U.S. President Joe Biden, which is apparent, which is apparently news to um that is apparently news to Israel and Hamas and the Qataris, who have been apparently doing the negotiations. <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, it is basically the deal that's been on the table, right? If you release some of the hostages, then we will stop all of the bombings and such. At least, you know, temporarily. Negotiators from the United States, Egypt, and Qatar, or Qatar, if you will, have been working to broker a ceasefire deal that would see Hamas free some of the hostages, dozens of them, that it holds in exchange for the release of Palestinian prisoners, as well as a six-week halt in fighting. See, because when the Jews were celebrating one of their holy days, that's the day you go and you set them on fire, you chop off their heads, you rape them, you murder their babies in front of them. Like, that's the day you do that on their holy days. But when you have a holy month coming up, well, then stop any violence against us because this is our holy day. Right? I mean, come on. You don't want to be called an oppressor now, do you? During the pause, talks would continue over the release of the remaining hostages and additional Palestinian prisoners held by Israel. Israeli officials said Biden's comments that he made on a late night talk show while eating ice cream. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. No, he was not eating ice cream while on the show. Right. That was afterwards, which, by the way, the reporting yesterday was that Joe Biden was getting ready to go uh, onto a late night TV show. And, you know, answer questions. Yes, the show airs at like 11 o'clock at night or 1130 at night, but it tapes at like four. So it's not really like he's staying up late because I don't think President Sundowners is going to be able to make it till 1130 at night, you know. But I digress. A Hamas official uh, played down any sense of progress, saying that the group would not soften its demands. Yeah, um, the Israeli said that uh, his... His comments came as a surprise and were not made in any kind of coordination with the country's leadership. So he's just out there running his mouth. (laughs) The president is. Joe Biden is out there just running his mouth, which explains why his aides felt the need to immediately get him to the boardwalk and stuff an ice cream cone in his face. Right. That does make sense. The Washington Free Beacon reporting this afternoon After President Joe Biden suggested that a ceasefire deal in the war between Israel and Hamas was imminent, several parties in the negotiations appeared to cast doubt on his comment. Quote, my national security advisor tells me that we are close. This is what he told reporters in New York whilst eating the ice cream cone. 
We're close. We're not done yet. My hope is by next Monday, we'll have a ceasefire. Chocolate, chocolate chip. Representatives from Hamas, Israel, and Qatar have all reportedly said that his optimism was exaggerated. Which, I mean, that is kind of on brand for Joe Biden, right? Exaggeration. The primary and main reasons, or main issues rather, of the ceasefire and the withdrawal of Israeli forces are not clearly stated, which delays reaching an agreement. That, according to two anonymous senior Hamas officials who spoke with Reuters, they said that there are still big gaps to be bridged. The Israeli news website called Ynet, Ynet or Enet, anyway, they cited unnamed senior Israeli officials who said they don't know what Biden's optimism is based on. And a spokesman for Qatar's foreign affairs ministry also said that the two sides needed to work to bring themselves closer together on any kind of a ceasefire deal. <laughs> so nobody involved in the actual negotiations has any idea what Joe Biden's talking about here. They're still underway. In Qatar, a senior official from Egypt has said that the draft deal includes the release of up to 40 women and older hostages. In exchange, they're going to get back 300 Palestinian prisoners. Because remember, as the leftists told us and the Islamists told us a couple of months ago when the first round of uh, prisoner swaps occurred, or hostage for prisoner swaps occurred, um, that the uh, Israeli lives are worth more than the lives of the Palestinians. That was what they said. That's the reason why Israel was giving over more prisoners per hostage. It's like three, three prisoners per one Jewish hostage. And, and the media and the Marxists, but I repeat myself, and the Islamists, uh, they all, they said that was proof that Israel believes that one Israeli life is worth more than one Palestinian life, when in fact it proves the opposite, right? This is what the Palestinians demanded. This is what Hamas demanded. Why? Because they value their own people's lives as, well, on the one hand, I would say as worth nothing. But on the other hand, they don't view the Jewish lives, and so they're like, yeah, we, we want a three-to-one swap. That's what they're asking for now. 300 Palestinian prisoners for 40 Israelis. 300 to 40. So that is a, uh, what, a 30 to 4? So it's a 15-to-1 ratio. 15-to-1. The official, speaking on condition of anonymity to discuss the negotiations, said that the proposed six-week pause in fighting would allow hundreds of trucks to bring desperately needed aid into Gaza every day, including up to the hardest-hit north. The start of Ramadan, which is expected to be around March 10th, is seen as an unofficial deadline for a ceasefire deal. The month is a time of heightened religious observance and dawn-to-dusk fasting for hundreds of millions of Muslims around the world. Uh, Also, uh, it is marked by the blowing up of infidels. Israeli pal... um, Well, I mean, okay, informally, okay, that's not actually like... (laughs) The Israeli-Palestinian tensions have flared in the past during the holy month. Well, So there you go. See, it's right there in the Associated Press story, right there. The, the tensions have flared during Ramadan. 
flared, which makes sense because if you're like you're fasting all day for a whole month, I get kind of hangry too, you know. Ramadan's coming up, and there have been uh, there has been an agreement by the Israelis that they would not engage in activities during Ramadan as well in order to give us time to get all the hostages out. Biden said in an appearance on NBC's Late Night with Seth Meyers. This is the late night comedy show, which is where you should be doing all of your foreign diplomacy work. Obviously. <laughs> and again, feel the need to point this out. The Israelis, the Hamas terrorists, and the Qataris, they have all said, don't know what he's talking about. Israeli officials who spoke on condition of anonymity because they're not authorized to discuss these sensitive talks with the media, said Israel wants a deal immediately, but that Hamas continues to push excessive demands. They also said Israel is insisting that female soldiers be part of the first group of hostages released under any true deal. So this way they can decide what they want to do with their, with their fetuses. Yeah. That's what happened during the last round. See, there's a, there's a clock ticking here. Because the Hamas uh, kidnappers, the terrorists, have been impregnating the Jewish women that they took hostage. Yeah. So they'll, they'll, they have to have those discussions with these prisoners when they get released, which is why they would very much like them to get released before nine months. You know? All right. Hey, maybe you have heard by now DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to North Carolina. It's coming soon. On March 11th, to be exact, DraftKings is one of America's top-rated sports books with same-game parlays, money lines, and props. The best features like odds boost and live betting and social betting groups where you can share your bets with your friends in real time. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. And it all starts on March 11th. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and then place your bets on your favorite sports once it goes live. And again, it goes live on March 11th. And now here's the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 877-718-5543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Eligibility restrictions apply, subject to regulatory licensing requirements. And see terms at draftkings.com slash sportsbook slash nc. Could we see a ceasefire? Joe Biden seems to think so. But he sees dead people, so not really sure. Hamas official Ahmad Abdel Hadi indicated that optimism on a deal is premature. Quote, the resistance is not interested in giving up any of its demands. And what is proposed does not meet what it had requested. Hamas has previously demanded that Israel end the war as part of any deal, which Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu called, quote, unquote, delusional. <laughs> Israel's devastating air, sea, and ground campaign in Gaza has killed more than 29,700 people, most of them women and children, according to the health ministry in Hamas-run Gaza, which I will give the AP credit here. I mean, it's not like they're saying the numbers are coming from Hamas, but it's they're almost there. They're almost, I mean, they said it's Hamas-run Gaza, Right. So they're not coming right out and saying that the numbers are completely, you know, made up by Hamas here. Which, by the way, you ever notice how quick Hamas is able to get all of the casualty counts? They couldn't even tell anybody how many hostages they had taken or where they were located, right? 
if for weeks they 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 claim to not know, and uh, you compare that to the way they respond, you know, lickety split. They're super fast on the casualty counts. As soon as any kind of an attack occurs, they're like, "Oh, that was like seventy thousand people, all women and children." And they do not distinguish, and the AP reports this to their credit, it does not distinguish between fighters and civilians in its count. Which tells us what? What does that tell us? That Hamas does not differentiate in its casualty counts between women, children, and fighters. Fighters and civilians. They don't tell you. They just say 29,000 mostly women and children. Okay, well how many were how many were Hamas fighters? Don't know. That tells me that they either don't know or they don't want to say. There is a reason they're not differentiating. Now, I mean, I could even go like I I mean, I can go really bad faith here and say Well, the reason why they're not distinguishing between fighters and civilians in their death count is because they don't distinguish between fighters and civilians in their day-to-day lives. But that would be, that would be very bad faith of me to do that. And I, I, you know, I try to approach these issues in good faith. Roughly 130 hostages remain in Gaza, but Israel says about a quarter of them are dead. Um... Last night, this is from Open Source Intel. Last night, the Lebanese newspaper Nida Al Watan or Al Waitin. I don't know. This is not aligned with Hezbollah. Okay, this newspaper is not aligned with the terrorist organization Hezbollah. This newspaper reported that the United States conveyed a message to Hezbollah through the Lebanese prime minister. And that message said that the U.S. would not permit Israel to initiate a large-scale war against Lebanon and that the ceasefire in Gaza would also extend to Lebanon. Lebanon, you'll recall, has been launching missiles into Israel to the point where tens of thousands of Israelis have fled uh, that uh, the the part of their country that has been under attack. They've not been home to their homes for months. Tens of thousands of them. I don't know if they can, do they count as, as refugees like the Palestinians do? Are we supposed to be sending in the, the aid, the truckloads of aid and such to all of those people? No, the Israelis took care of their own people. They just relocated them. So they moved them out of that area. Hezbollah keeps firing into Israel And apparently the U.S. government has told uh, the Lebanese prime minister, hey, tell Hezbollah that uh, we're not going to don't don't worry. We're not going to let Israel uh, attack you guys, which if I'm Israel, I tell America pound sand. Right. You're not the boss of me. Um, Then hang on a second. Oh, then there's this. Uh, This from uh, Harvard Caps Harris Poll. A majority of voters say Democrats are using the legal system in a biased way to take out a political opponent. And also, same poll, 
82% of U.S. citizens expressed support for Israel. 18% expressed support for Hamas. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out all right so let me go to this polling and you know me i'm not i'm not big on the polling well i should say this uh i don't really rely on polling when looking at elections especially when you're really far out from an election the closer you get to an election okay they usually they start getting tighter you know but um they're snapshots in time however that being said there are some uh, there are some surveys that get put into the field that when done correctly and, and you know, questions are framed appropriately are, are good uh, barometers for a society. Yes, it's a snapshot, but it tells you, you know, where people's minds are on a particular topic. So um, when it comes to the issue of, um, of Israel, this new Harvard-Harris poll finds that 82% of U.S. citizens expressed support for Israel, while 18% expressed support for Hamas. Two out of three U.S. citizens indicate they would support a ceasefire only after Hamas is removed and every hostage is released. I'm in that camp. I'm in the two-thirds. 63% support Israel's sovereignty over the West Bank. That's the eastern part of Israel, the West Bank of uh, the Jordan River. So it's across the the river from Jordan. Um, 78% of respondents support the removal of Hamas from the Gaza Strip. That's me. I'm in with the 78% too. And regarding the future of Gaza, 73% of respondents prefer either Israeli control or governance under new Arab states. I mean, I'm kind of in the 73% there, kind of, in that Israel needs to control it. Sorry, you guys had 20 years. You built a terrorist training camp. Um, So that's it. You're done. It's all over. You had your chance, and you blew it. That's it. Sorry, not sorry. This is how the world operates. Um, like, oh, but we need the UN to do well. The UN, the, the UN carved up these lands in the first place, so you didn't you didn't abide by that, and then you were like, we're going to use force. Screw the UN, and then you got your butts kicked over and over again on that. So now you're going back to the UN to try to get what some non-military way to carve it all up? No, you guys have had you've had plenty of opportunities. I'm like I'm I'm so done listening to the arguments on this. Um 
There was a guy who uh, set himself on fire. Have you heard of this? This U.S. Air Force active duty service member who set himself on fire uh, because he has obviously, you know, he had uh, he had mental problems, but also um, he had bought into this death cult, this nihilistic death cult mentality. That is what animates the uh, the movement here in America, this pro-Palestinian movement. That is what animates. And you, and you don't have to take my word for it. Please don't. Please don't. Go and look at the response from Americans and even non-Americans, but mostly Americans on social media, on Twitter, defending what the, and celebrating what this guy did to himself. Um, here it is. I'm sorry. I got a bunch of different tabs open. Oh, Noah Pollock. He says this uh, in response to, first off, all right, let me, I'll do this. Cornell West, you know who that is? This guy's running for president, Cornell West. He's, he's the black academic with the, like, the crazy hair, you know, and he's anyway, he's running for president. He says, let us never forget the extraordinary courage and commitment of brother Aaron Bushnell who died for truth and justice. I pray for his precious loved ones. Let us rededicate ourselves to genuine solidarity with Palestinians undergoing genocidal attacks in real time. Hashtag Aaron Bushnell, hashtag free Palestine. And then it's got a picture of him. And there has been a, a revulsion towards these kinds of celebratory messages even among people on the left, and they are now finding themselves being attacked for it. You know, there are principles, and I know this is going to come as a joke or a shock, maybe a little bit of column A, a little bit from column B, uh, to people when I say this, but there are, there are rules. There's an ethic in journalism about reporting on suicides, namely that you don't do it because it creates a copycat effect. I am of the same mentality, by the way, when it comes to mass shootings. Because I believe them to be essentially, you know, suicide by cop. They they intend not to live through it, and so they they want the publicity. And so that's why I don't name them. I don't give them the publicity that they crave, because I don't want to inspire copycats. And this guy, the celebration that he has gotten is going to inspire other people to now follow his lead and do what he did. Noah Pollack, I believe he's a writer at Breitbart. Let me see. Hang on a second. He is a political consultant. Sorry, contributor to the Washington Free Beacon. He says, in case it wasn't already obvious, the, quote, Palestinian cause is the facade of a Western death cult that worships nihilism, violence, and depravity. Cornell West celebrated Hamas burning children alive on October 7th. Of course he celebrates a mental patient burning himself alive. Mark Joseph Stern, not a right winger. He says, I strongly oppose valorizing any form of suicide as a noble, principled, or legitimate form of political protest. People suffering mental illness deserve empathy and respect, but it is wildly irresponsible to praise them for using a political justification to take their own life. Exactly. Exactly. 
You don't celebrate this or you get more of it, morons. Unless, of course, the morons actually want more of it. Because they're nihilists. And then, Moonbat Wajahat Ali, he pipes up and says, there's no evidence that this guy was suffering from mental illness. He was very clear about his reasoning for self-immolation, the most extreme form of protest against what he believes is an ongoing genocide against Palestinians by Israel. His last words were, free Palestine. Right. So, as Bonchi from Red State pointed out, yeah, uh, no, uh, no evidence, no evidence that the guy uh, was suffering from mental illness. No evidence at all, except, of course, you know, him burning himself alive. Right, except for that. Right. Uh, aside from that, no evidence whatsoever. On Twitter, I do have the DMs open. Um, Mark says, no ceasefire, no Palestinian government. They had their chance. They did. They had their chance, and they, they built tunnels, and they bought missiles, and uh, they, they launched a, uh, a pogrom. So, yeah, you're done. That's it. You, you picked a fight. You launched a war. You are losing. You're going to lose it, and uh, you will be wiped out. We'll see what happens in the aftermath. And I know that, like, for people who are uh, of Palestinian descent or big defenders of the Palestinian people that are totally different than Hamas, um, I know that that's going to uh, anger you. I know. I it, Like, if I were advising Hamas, I would have advised not to do that thing because then you would end up getting wiped out, you know? It's the F.O. part of the F.A.F.O., saying right like there's that's the second part of it so uh, they obviously thought that the uh the finding out was not going to happen and they miscalculated uh and here's the thing nobody will ever miscalculate on that again right that's why you do the finding out if you're israel that's why you make sure they find out is so nobody else does the the first f you know, this way nobody messes with you. Nobody messes around to find out. That's the whole point. As Rush used to say, the world is governed by the aggressive use of force. And that is what Israel is doing. Meanwhile, this U.S. Air Force guy sets himself on fire. And uh, he died, by the way. Killed himself. Um, and uh, when you go and look at his social media footprint... He's using the pronouns. Yep. Identifying his pronouns. Um, he had uh, he had given thumbs up or follows or likes to a couple of Ohio-based anarchist groups, the Burning River Anarchist Collective, as well as the Mutual Aid Street Solidarity. He also gave thumbs up to an account belonging to the Kent State University chapter of the pro-Hamas Students for Justice in Palestine. So, um, I'm curious, uh, U.S. military, you guys, you aware of this stuff going on? Uh, do you know, are you aware, how many, I don't know, how many people do you think might be in your ranks that you've recruited in, using the pronouns that you are, I think you guys are telling everybody to start using at this point, right? Mark Joseph Stern is a lefty writer, and he is uncomfortable with the lionization of this 
Air Force guy who killed himself. He says he opposes valorizing any form of suicide as a noble, principled, or legitimate form of political protest. Called it irresponsible to praise people for using a political justification to take their own life. And this then got him attacked by people on the left, by these nihilistic, radical Marxists, who, again, always keep in mind, particularly, you know, it, it's clear in this issue with the, uh, the Palestinian cause, is that for Marxists, the issue is never the issue. As James Lindsay says, the issue is always revolution, right? It, the, it, it doesn't matter what the, the current issue of the day is. The whole point is always the revolution. So they're using the Palestinian issue in order to advance the revolution, and so now, like Wajahad Ali, he says, uh, there's no evidence that this guy was suffering from mental illness. Okay, if that's the case, then let's be very clear about why he burned himself alive, which was he was in support of, of a terrorist state that raped and murdered and burned alive thousands of Jews on October 7th. That's, so is that the better explanation? That's what you want to go with? I mean, I guess you could go with that. Mark Joseph Stern, later on, after a couple hours, he said, I'm genuinely surprised by the response to this tweet that he sent out. He said, none of us, especially journalists, should glamorize or glorify suicide as a heroic or noble act. That is a bedrock rule in reporting on suicide, a set of best practices developed by expert groups. Do you ever notice, or have you noticed recently where uh, whenever you're, do, uh, you're reading a story or you see a news story about uh, and it has some you know, some component of the story or it's a TV show or a movie and suicide or mental health challenges are part of the story. Do you ever notice how recently they started adding in the suicide hotlines and helplines and those numbers and resources for help? Have you noticed that? Because there's been an entire best practices uh, manual developed and Anytime you as a reporter or a news outlet, you do a story on this stuff, you put that information in there. Why? Specifically to prevent this kind of thing from act, uh, from becoming a contagion and people seeing it and saying, well, that's how I'm going to get publicity. That's how I'm going to get them to pay attention to me. That's how I'm going to make sure they're aware of my grievances and the things, these grievances that I have been collecting, right, as my reasons and now I'm going to I'm going to do this thing to hurt them and I'm going to show them. So that's why you don't cover this stuff like that. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I could not do the show without your support and the support of the businesses that advertise on the podcast. So if you'd like, please support them too and tell them you heard it here. You can also become a patron at my Patreon page or go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and uh, don't break anything while I'm gone.